0: Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning, and good to have all of you who are joining us live stream this morning from all over the country and many continents around the world. We're thrilled to have all the people that view us on a regular basis. A couple things, real quick, before the message. Again, baptism is October the 21st. If you would love to be baptized, please sign up either online or out at the information table. I will be meeting with all those who are going to be baptized in a couple of weeks, and uh, we probably won't have another one until spring. So if you've been thinking about it, praying about it, please sign up for the one on October the 21st. And then because we're now into October, I know, hard to believe, right? I wanted to just start putting this on your radar. The last Sunday of October... Jenna Pearson is going to be with us to give a short report of her missionary ministry on the campus of ASU. Many of you who've been part of the Oasis, you know her, and she's been with us. And she'll be just sharing for a few minutes at the end of both services uh, the last Sunday of October. And then the last Sunday of November, Josh and Anishka are going to be with us from the Czech Republic. And uh, they've been a couple years since they've been here, obviously. And they're going to be sharing uh, in both services as well about what the Lord is doing in their lives. And of course, this time, they're going to be bringing back a baby with them. Uh, So they have a new addition in their family. So again, that's the last Sunday of October for Jenna and the last Sunday of November for Josh and Anishka. We're looking forward to having uh, our missionaries, folks that you support personally and folks that we as a church support as well. 1 Samuel chapter 20 is our next message in the series on David, the worshiping warrior of God. And this chapter is really all about Jonathan and David and their friendship. So we're going to talk a lot about friendship today again because it was so important, obviously, to both of these men, and it's important for us as well. In fact, I've entitled this chapter, Count on Me. Do you have a friend in your life that you know you can count on? Is there someone in your life that knows that they can count on you? And this chapter is also going to illustrate the strength that we can have in and through a friendship. We're going to be looking at different aspects of friendship and how you and I can count on one another. And listen, Jonathan and David had an extraordinary friendship. Um, It's sort of the standard. It's sort of the model if you will, that the Bible gives us for all friendships. And many of us will maybe never have a friendship like Jonathan and David had. But we can have a really good friend. And if you have a really good friend and you have some good friendships in your life, thank God for them every day. They, they are a, a blessing. But even in that, The greatest of human friendships, as great as a a blessing as that is, is still imperfect because we're human. But we have a friend who is our perfect friend, our forever friend, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us, as we go through this chapter, Looking at the different aspects of friendship to always keep this in mind. This certainly illustrated Jonathan and David's friendship, but even more than that, this is a reminder to us about the friend you and I all have in our life, and that's Jesus. He is our friend. Remember what he said to his disciples in John chapter 15. He says, I no longer call you servants. Because servants don't know what their master is up to. But I call you friends. Because as my friend, I'm going to let you in on stuff that no one else knows about. And that's part of friendship. So Jesus is our friend. And we're going to see even the significance of that in the weeks to come as we keep going through the study of David's Life. Count on me. So notice we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 20, after we saw a couple weeks ago that Saul had followed David up to Naoth in Ramah, and David now realizes Saul is right on his heels, that we learn then in chapter 20, David ran, he bolted from Naoth in Ramah, and he came to Jonathan. He came to his friend, and he asked, Jonathan, what have I done? What is my offense? How have I sinned before your father, for he is seeking my life? We know that Saul became jealous and envious of David and that there were things in Saul's heart and Saul's life that drove him to treat David the way that he did. But David was struggling to understand that. You and I sometimes struggle to understand the whys and why people treat us the way that they do. But again, it goes back to the, the majority of evil, if you will, that happens in the world is because of the free will that God gives every human being. And every human being has that free will that we all love that God gave us because we are glad he didn't make us robots and force us to do everything he wants us to do. But the other side of that coin is that means that we're all vulnerable to the bad choices and to the decisions and to the free will choices that people have that sometimes causes pain. And David was wrestling with that. But the point that I want to make about friendship is when David ran, when David fled, who did he run to? He ran to Jonathan. He ran to his friend. And so here's what I wrote beside of those verses. A friend is your go-to. Someone you know you can turn to. Someone who is always available. And accessible. That's what we see here in this friendship with David and Jonathan. Who did he go to? Jonathan. Who did he turn to? Jonathan. Who did he know would be available and accessible to him? Jonathan. And let's again make this application. Who is always available, and accessible to us, the Lord Jesus, who's always there for us, anytime we need him, anytime we want him, Jesus. Who should be our go-to and the person that we turn to over and over and over again in every situation, our greatest friend, Jesus Christ. We will never have a better friend than Jesus Notice in verse 2, Jonathan's words are prophetic. He says, by no means are you going to die, and that certainly was true. But then he says this, my father does nothing large or small without making me aware of it. Why would my father hide this matter from me? It just won't happen. As great a friend as Jonathan is being to David, one of the things that we're seeing here with Jonathan, especially now, not so much in relationship to David, but into his own father, Saul, is he's a little naive and underestimating the wickedness and the deceptiveness of his own father. I mean, he knows what his father's done. And let's not forget, at this point, in the last two chapters of 1 Samuel, Saul has threatened David's life six times. He's tried to kill him. And yet, Jonathan is one of those, it's like it's still hard for him to see his father in that way. I get that. We all struggle with that at times with those that are closest to us, right? But notice David says to Jonathan, Your father is very much aware, verse three, of basically the relationship that we have, right? So he's not going to let you in, Jonathan, on what's really going on because he knows that you've allied, he knows your friends, he knows you've opened up your arms totally embracing and accepting me. And by the way, David reminds Jonathan, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, there is but one step between me and death, verse 3. Now that's a true statement for all of us. We're all, at any time in our life, only, in a sense, one heartbeat away from death. But David was really sensitive to his mortality because he's just had six attempts on his life in a very short amount of time. So notice Jonathan's reply in verse 4. He replies to David, tell me what I can do for you. Literally in the Hebrew, whatever you want, my friend, I will do it. Such was his love for David. So the second thing I want us to see about friendship is that a friend, first of all, is someone who listens to us. Notice Jonathan didn't try to interrupt David. Jonathan wasn't one of those friends that's thinking up a response or a retort while we're still speaking. A friend is someone who keeps their mouth shut, keeps their brain from, and and truly engages in just listening to us when we need to say something. A friend is also someone who hears your heart, because notice, that's exactly what Jonathan is doing here. He is hearing the heart of David and the final thing is he's willing and able to help him. So let's put it all together. A friend is someone who listens, who hears our heart and who's willing and able to help. What can I do for you? You tell me, David, and I will do it. Now again, let's make this application to Jesus. Jesus is always willing to listen to us. He's the one who's always inviting us, come to me. Ask, seek, knock, pray. I am always available to you. I am always willing to listen to you. You process things with me, you pour out your heart to me. I'm willing to hear your heart. He's the God of the universe. And yet he's always willing to take the time and make the time for every last one of us. There's never been a time in my friendship with my God where I went to him and he put me off. Where he said, "Uh, come back later, I'm busy. Or this isn't a good time, Jeff, I'm running the universe. I've got a billion other people to deal with. I've never had that from Jesus. And no matter how long I probably drone on at times and talk to him, I've never had him interrupt me while I'm pouring out my heart and say, well, let, let me tell you this. And I'm sure my God could have done that a bazillion times in my communication with him. But Jeff, but no, he just listens. Now, there will be that time where he'll give me his wisdom and his insight if I'm open to it. But the other thing that our Jesus always does for us that Jonathan did with David is say, Jeff, I'm willing and able to help. Let me. Whatever you need me to do, I'll I'll do it. I'll be there for you. I will help you through this. And that's exactly what Jonathan is saying. And that's why David could count on him. Not only because he was a friend that he knew he could go to and turn to who would be available and accessible, but he also knew he had a friend in Jonathan that would listen, that would hear his heart, and that was always willing and able to help him. So verse 5, David hatches a plan. He says, well, here's the deal, Jonathan, I got a plan so that we can sort of see where your dad really is when it comes to me. There's the new moon coming and and there's going to be special dinners and special feasts and uh, I'm not going to show up because I'm not going to put myself back in that place where I'm in the same room with the guy who's already tried to spear me twice. I'm going to stay away. And because we know that Saul really wants David to be there so that he can throw a spear and and get him, David is saying to Jonathan, let's see how he reacts when I don't show up for dinner, basically. If he's okay with it, then maybe his heart has changed towards me. But if he's angry because I haven't shown up, then we sort of know that this is where he's at. It's sort of a way to in a way to feel Saul out. And Jonathan agrees to this. And then notice what he says to Jonathan in verse 8. You must be loyal to your servant, for you made a covenant, a promise, a commitment with your servant in the Lord's name. And if I'm guilty, you, Jonathan, you can kill me. Why bother taking me to your father? And of course, Jonathan says in verse 9, God forbid. The next part of this whole friendship thing really is summed up in those words, be loyal. In the original language, it speaks about the warmth of fellowship and the security of faithfulness. Again, two things you and I have with God. Because we know that even when we're not maybe loyal or faithful to him, he will always be loyal and faithful to us. And we get the idea of security with that, with someone who's faithful. But also, another great nuance of this is the warmth of the fellowship. That's part of friendship, too. So I wrote here next to these verses a friend is someone who is loyal. Faithful and trustworthy. Someone that you know you can rest and trust in. You don't have to worry about where they stand with you. You know they will always have your back. They will always defend you. Because that's what these words mean. And notice something else here in play. And this is true even in the greatest friendships, in the greatest relationships. There's reassurance that is needed between these friends. It's not just like any relationship where I just put it on cruise control. No, no. What David is going through right now, he needs to hear the reassurance and reaffirmation from his friend that, I've got you, David. I've got your back. That's okay. And again, does not God do that with us? Does he not continually reaffirm and reassure us every day and and reaffirm us with his love and reassure us of his faithfulness and all of that? He does. And we could have no more loyal, more faithful, more trustworthy friend than the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who always has our back and will always defend us. Because he's our friend. He's not just our creator. He's not just our savior. He's not just our Lord. He calls us his friend. His friend. So Jonathan says, look, you're right, David. That's a good plan to figure out exactly where my dad's at. So I'll go back. I'll have some dinners with him, and I'll see how he responds to all of this. And then Jonathan says this, verse 14. While I am still alive, extend to me the loyalty of the Lord, or else I will die. Don't ever cut off your loyalty to my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth and called David's enemies to account. So again, notice Jonathan now is reaffirming his commitment not just to David but to the house of David. What does this speak to us about, friendship? Well, notice Jonathan even more than David, is keenly aware that David is the king in waiting. He's more confident that David is going to sit on the throne of Israel right now than David is because of what he's going through, right? He, he He sees in David David's true greatness. He sees things in his friend that his friend doesn't even see in himself yet. So, here's what I wrote next to those verses. A friend is someone who believes in you, admires you, who has confidence in you, who sees your potential and is your biggest fan, and whose greatest joy is seeing you succeed. That was Jonathan with David. Notice, remember now the story of Jonathan and David. Saul was Jonathan's father. So, historically and humanly speaking, Jonathan should have been next in line to be the king of Israel. Jonathan is basically saying, I've laid all of my personal ambitions aside. I want you to be king, because I know that that's God's will for you and for all of Israel. And so I'm laying aside myself And I'm so glad, David, for you. You know how many times in life, even amongst friends, again, and we see this obviously with Saul, with David, that there's jealousy and envy, that that one is getting attention or getting a position or getting a promotion and the other one's not. And we can get so sideways with, with one another when it comes to that. Jonathan is none of that. Jonathan loves the fact that David is going to be the one on the throne and not him, and loves the fact that all he's saying is, but Jonathan, or David, just don't forget me. And not me, because he's going to be long gone. He's basically saying, David, when I'm, so he's sort of seeing prophetically that he's probably going to pass before David does, that David's going to far outlive Jonathan. We know that's true if you know the story. And he's saying, basically, David, when you become king, be kind and merciful and faithful to my whole house. And we know David was. Remember the story of David and Mephibosheth? It's one of the great stories in the Bible. If you don't know it, look it up and read about it. Mephibosheth was one of Jonathan's relatives. And David treats him with such kindness, and actually invites him to be a regular guest at the king's table to feast every evening. It's a beautiful story. That's exactly what Jonathan is asking of, because again, he sees David in a way that David can't see himself yet. David, you're going to be the future king. Right now, you may be running for your life from my father, but I'm telling you, I see it as if it's already happened. And sometimes that's the power of friends, that friends can see things in us that we can't even see in ourselves, potential. And think about that with Jesus, our friend, who went to someone like even Simon and said, Simon, follow me. And oh, by the way, I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter, because I don't see you as Simon. I see you as Peter. I see you as my rock that I'm going to build the foundation of my church upon. And and so God is that way with all of us. That's why I love that we sang some of the songs that that we sang today, like, you know, you define me. Because it's like, what does God think of us? Isn't that what should matter most? And, And most of the time, God sees in us way more than we see in ourselves because God looks at us through what he can enable us to be. And and many times we don't go there with God, and yet that's who God is, and God loves to see his children succeed. He's an amazing God, and he's an amazing friend. So Jonathan, verse 16, made a covenant with the house of David, and Jonathan again, once again, took an oath with David because he loved him. In fact, Jonathan loved him as much as he did his own life. You know what our verse is that I want to encourage you to memorize and meditate on today? Again, it's not a verse from this chapter, but it's a verse that illustrates exactly what we just read there in verse 17 of 1 Samuel 20. It's this verse out of John 15, and it's verse 13. There is no greater love than this, that one would lay down his life for a friend. That's exactly what Jonathan is declaring here. When it says in the Bible, in fact, Jonathan loved him as much as he did his own life He is illustrating John 15, 13. There is no greater love than this, that one would lay down their life for a friend. Do you have a friend that you would lay down your life for? That you would give up, that you would sacrifice your life for? Is there someone in your life that you know, not a family member now, a friend that would do that for you? And let me say this. I'm not even just talking about the fact of giving up your physical life, because it's even much harder. That's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's much harder to lay down your life for a friend every day. And that's what Jonathan and David were doing for one another. That's the strength that they found in one another. So beside these verses, I wrote this. A friend is someone who loves you actively. It's not just saying, I love you. Love is doing. Love is active. A friend is someone who loves you actively, unconditionally, selflessly, and sacrificially. A friend is someone who loves you actively, unconditionally, selflessly, and sacrificially. Jonathan loved David as much as he did his own life. So now Jonathan has a plan, beginning in verse 18. He says, here's what we're going to do, David. Here's how I'm going to let you know secretly of what's going on with my dad. I'm going to give me a couple days to have dinner with dad and find out where he's at, right? If I feel like things are good, and you trust me that I will let you know that, then I'm going to bring one of my servant boys out with me to this field that you and I know about, and I'm going to shoot some arrows. If the arrows fall short of where you are in the field, that's telling you that things are kosher with my dad, and all things are good, and you can come back. But if after being with my dad for a couple of evenings, and I find out that he's just as angry with you and wants to murder you as, as ever, then I'm going to shoot arrows past you. And that will be the sign that you need to get out of here because your life is in danger. So Jonathan goes back, goes and begins to have these dinners with his father, the king. And I'll just pick it up here in verse 25. The king sits down in his usual place by the wall with Jonathan opposite him. Abner is at his side, but David's place was vacant. Saul said nothing about it the first night, thinking, ah, something's happened to him, making him ceremonially unclean, that type of thing. But notice verse 27. The second night, oh, David still wasn't around. So Saul says to Jonathan, why has Jesse's son not come to the meal yesterday or today? And notice something. Saul can't even call David by his name. You notice that? He calls him Jesse's son. Son, notice how Jonathan replies to his father. Jonathan replies to Saul, David. Jonathan calls his friend by his name and says, hey, he had to go to Bethlehem to, you know, deal with some matters and all of that, and just was hoping that, you know, he could go there for several days and all of that. And I think Saul is beginning to see through, even his own son. And notice verse 30, Saul became angry with Jonathan. Let's just say it. Saul had an anger issue. If you've got an anger issue or if any of us have any kind of issue with our emotions that gets the better of us, we need to learn to be filled with the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God control our emotions, whatever they are whatever they are. And then notice what he says to his own son, you stupid traitor. In the Hebrew, he's saying, Jonathan, you are the lowest of the low. Think about it. This is a father saying this to his own son, telling him he's a disgrace to his family, and saying it's all because, verse 30, you sided with the son of Jesse. For as long as Jesse's son is alive on this earth, your kingdom, that's all he cared about, was Saul's family, not what was best for Israel, not what God wanted. And Jonathan responds to his father, verse 32, and basically, again, he's having his friends back. He's trying to defend his his friend and figure out why is his father so hateful and mean towards David. And notice what his own father does. Now he picks up a spear and tries to kill his own son. Wow. So it says, Jonathan was now convinced, yeah, his father wants to kill David because he's tried to kill me too. And I love this, though. Don't miss verse 34. Jonathan got up from the table enraged. But he wasn't enraged at how his father was treating him and what he was saying to him. Notice what got him hot. It says he was upset that his father had basically disrespected David. Whoa, there's a friend. You know, most of the time in a situation like that, it would be all about us. I'm upset and I'm I'm offended that my father has said the things about me that he said to me and all that, and that he tried to take my own. No, he was most upset about his, how his father was treating his friend. So the next morning, verse 35, Jonathan takes the young servant out, and he shoots the arrows far beyond David, basically saying, hey, it's bad for you. Yeah, you need to get out of here. And notice verse 39. The servant who was with Jonathan did not understand any of this and why he was shooting the arrows in this particular field and all of that because it says in verse 39, only Jonathan and David knew what was going on. That's the next aspect of friendship I see in this chapter. A friend is someone who knows things about you and shares things with you that no one else knows. A friend is someone who knows things about you or shares things with you that no one else knows. And again, did not Jesus say that about us as his friends? He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant is never going to know what his master is really up to. I'm paraphrasing. He said, but I've called you friends. Because as my friend, I will share intimate secrets and things and reveal things to you that I would never reveal to those who have no relationship with me or have no fellowship with me or have no friendship with me. It's exactly the principle we see here in verse 39. So Jonathan gave his equipment to the servant who was with him. He said to this servant boy, go back. I need to have just some time between me and my friend before we say goodbye to each other. This won't be the last time David and Jonathan see each other on earth, but it's one of the last time. And I believe that they, at this point, didn't know whether they would ever see each other again. So it's really emotional as they say goodbye to each other here. Notice verse 41. When the servant had left, David got up from beside the mound, knelt down with his face to the ground, and bowed three times to Jonathan. David is going to be the future king. And yet notice the humility with with which he treats his friend. Notice the honor. That he's giving his friend they shared a humility and an honoring for one another in this friendship that few friendships have they express a preciousness and a pricelessness of their friendship because notice after david bowed down three times it says they kissed each other and they both wept especially david why especially david because david realized the sacrifice that his friend was making for him. I mean, humanly speaking, Jonathan could have wanted nothing of this relationship and clung to the fact that he's going to be the future king. Or if, if nothing else, when he got into this and he had all this, you know, friction with his father, that somehow that friction with his father would be to the point where he would choose to make things easier with his father and better with his father than he did with David, but he never got there because he knew this was all about what God wanted, not what I want, not what my father wants, but about what God wants. And Jonathan says to David, go in peace, for the two of us have sworn together in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord will be between you and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Basically, he's saying, God's going to be the glue that always keeps us sticking to one another, even down through the years. Some of you are familiar with a a song that Michael W. Smith wrote many years ago called Friends. And one of the lines is, friends are friends forever if the Lord is the Lord of them. And that's really what Jonathan and David are expressing to one another here. So my final note that I put in my Bible beside these verses is this. A friend is someone who feels about you in a way that no one else feels about you. A friend is someone who feels about you the way no one else feels about you. You see how both of these men see value and worth, not only in each other, but in their friendship. And how precious and how priceless it is. And again, is not Jesus Christ that way with us? Jesus sees us in a way that no one else sees us. Jesus has a love for us that no one else will ever have. Jesus cares about us more than we could ever imagine. You want to talk about? there is no greater love than this, that a person would lay down their life for their friends, then we're talking about the Lord of glory being willing to leave heaven for many years and not just leave heaven, but wrap himself in humanity, the transcendent God of the universe, wrapping himself in humanity and coming to earth subjecting himself, making himself vulnerable to everything that happened to him while he was here, and then allowing himself as God to be nailed to a cross and die for each and every one of us because of his great love for us. There will be no greater love that you and I could ever experience in our life than the love Jesus has for us. And so that's why, I want us to hold to that verse out of John 15, 13, because that verse really illustrates the whole chapter. There is no greater love than this, that one would lay down their life for a friend. That's exactly the kind of friendship that David and Jonathan had, and that's exactly the kind of friend that Jesus Christ is to every one of us. But you know what? Before we can give ourselves to other people, The way Jonathan and David did, we've got to give ourselves to the Lord first. In fact, Paul says that to the Corinthians. He says, They first, speaking of the Corinthians, gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us. Because you and I will never be in a place where we're willing to lay down our life for a friend until we first lay down our life to the Lord and say, Lord, My life is yours. Use it however you want to. And so that's why we want to end our service today with a very familiar worship song, Take My Life and Let It Be. I'm going to ask Nicole and the worship team to come, and I'm going to ask you to stand and join me as we close our time of God's Word in prayer this morning. Here's what I want us to think about this morning. I want us to thank God for our friends and our friendships. But most of all, I want us to know that the greatest friend and friendship we will ever have is with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just our creator. He's not just our savior. He's not just the Lord. He's also our friend. And what better friend could we walk through life with every day? Than Jesus. Father, we thank you today for the reminder of the preciousness and pricelessness of friends and friendships. But Lord, you've also reminded us through this great friendship of Jonathan and David's about the greatest friend and friendship we'll ever experience, and that's with you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not only thank you for your friendship every day in our lives. But Lord, that we would be willing to come before you and lay our lives down to you and offer our lives to you, because until we're willing to do that, God, we'll never offer ourselves to someone else. We'll never be as selfless and sacrificial and 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 all of that as we could be and as we should be if we're first not willing to give ourselves to you. So Lord, would you allow us the privilege and the honor of laying our lives down for you and to you right now for all that you are and all that you've done and will do for us. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.